Episode 280, Bonus Edition, Interview with Ryan Pelkey. Hey y'all, welcome to the Empowering Educators Podcast. I am Gretchen, your host and expert lesson learner. I'm a national board certified elementary teacher turned teacher, trainer, and coach. All the lessons I've learned and am learning on my edgy journey, I share with you right here. From every silly mistake to the most glorious successes, you're going to hear stories and strategies that will inspire you to become your best. I have to warn you, as an educator, I can't help but hold you accountable for doing the work. So every episode, I leave you with practical, tangible next steps so you can implement your learning and maximize your impact. Whether you're teaching a lesson or learning one yourself, there's always a lesson if you're willing to pay close attention. Elite educators, that's the secret to staying empowered. Bring on today's lesson. Hey y'all, Gretchen here from Always a Lesson. I am excited to share a special guest with you today. I refer to this person as elite just like I do you because they take the time to invest in themselves by listening to podcasts, connecting with educators, and just giving back so that they can hone their craft. And I know you're just like that too. So I'm excited for you to meet someone that's going to become a mentor to you or maybe even your next best friend. So I want to help you reignite your passion and potential by introducing you to my friend, Ryan. After 25 years of education, Ryan Pilkey has finally realized the importance of putting teachers first in schools. He has steadily broke the just a PE teacher mold and has put out a platform of meeting the mental health needs of all educators. Without teachers and administrators, schools would cease to exist. He's a published best-selling author of a children's book, The Boy Who Lost His Ears, and has spoken at various educational conferences all over the world. He can often be found on the audio-only app Clubhouse as one of the leaders of the education sphere. When he's not fighting for teachers' rights, he is found at home with his family and his two dogs. I've had the pleasure of chatting with Ryan and really getting to know him, and I wanted you to be able to get to know him too. I think his story is incredible. He is someone who is really fighting for educators just like you who are going through rough times, hard times, challenging times, and he's got your back and you might not have even known it. So it's time for you to tune in to our conversation. Well, hey, Ryan, thanks so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. You're welcome. We've got folks tuning in from around the world. And so I just want to dive in and let them get to know you, understand why I think you're going to be such a great guest today. So let's get started by just sharing how our two paths have crossed. So I've had the uh, opportunity to get on Clubhouse, which is a social media app where it's audio only, and you uh, you have the opportunity to meet people from all over the world and talk about just about anything. I've had the opportunity to run a lot of educational rooms, and I've been visiting your room as well. And I've taken a lot of what people have said, a lot of people have taught into the next level and actually brought it into the classroom and brought it into different areas of my life. Yeah, it's been a fantastic professional development. I feel like I've made so many great friends, mentors. Uh, The education space is growing on there. And I love the fact that I can take it on the go. I used to be a big Twitter chat person, but I felt like I had to be sitting in a chair with all these windows open to keep up. And this just works really well. So I have loved the platform. Obviously you love it too. Were you doing any other education chats before you found it? No, actually Clubhouse helped me find my voice. I think I was very unique to, 
I never felt like I was had much worth as an educator. I felt like I was just a PE teacher. And on a whim during the pandemic, someone said, why don't you go ahead and uh, try Clubhouse? It seemed to be a great place. And I started going there and I started talking to people. And the fact that they wanted to hear what I had to say, it kind of gave me the self-confidence and the courage to go ahead and, and, and spread my wings out a little bit wider and realize I do have worth. I do can bring something important to the table as well as take in what other people are saying. I'm so shocked you felt that way because every time you were in a room, I'm like, oh, thank gosh, like a voice of reason, a voice of good ideas. Um, So I always enjoyed seeing your name pop up. But I wonder how many folks out there feel the same. And I noticed that on campuses, you have the confident folks always sharing ideas. And then there are other people who are so quiet and you're thinking, do you not want to contribute? Do you not have anything to contribute? What can I do to make it a safe space? And it sounds kind of like, were you like that as well at school? Yeah, I feel like, and and I've been in education now for almost 25 years, I felt like I was kind of pigeonholed. Like, you're just a PE teacher, you go sit over there with the other PE teachers, and, you know, the stuff that we're doing doesn't apply to you. Mm. Um, And a lot of times at school, we really didn't have the courage to step out and have these conversations about psychological safety, about teacher mental health and well-being, Mm -hmm. and things that was really digging at us. You know, we had those teacher lounge conversations where we complained about kids, (laughs) but we never really got to the heart of the matter and said, hey, how are you doing? What's going on with you? And we want to make sure that we continue this conversation that we have here and on Clubhouse and other places into our schools. We have to get rid of the taboo of saying, you know, Hey, I'm broken and I need some help. Mm. Gosh, it's so true. You are not broken. You're going through something you need support and we all have something to contribute to that no matter how long we've been teaching. So you were speaking about being a veteran teacher and being a PE teacher. So let's back up. Where did you start in education? And then where are you today? I taught at private boys prep school for a couple of years and where I was a house parent, I taught health and I wanted more. And so I used an agency called Southern Teachers Agency to find a job. It's a a headhunter. And I actually used used them to find me a job and find a job in North Carolina and Onslow County, North Carolina, where I taught for, you know, six years where I got thrown into the fire. I was an athletic director, coached a bunch of sports and really kind of took on the persona as an integrated PE teacher at that point where I felt that I could take what they were learning in the classroom and bring it down to the gym and make a difference and Mm -hmm. show that there was learning and they could have fun doing it as well. From there, I moved up to Virginia where I spent some time in the middle of the state in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And then my last uh, 11, 12 years, I've been at my current position at Prince William County Schools in Virginia, where I've been a health and PE teacher, um, administrator, and also um, currently an athletic director, as well as a coach of various sports. Mm, My gosh, you wear so many hats, but I was glad to hear a little North Carolinian in there. (laughs) (laughs) So as you are moving in these different roles, what would you say is the best lesson you learned? Is it the fact that you should integrate all subject areas into specials or is there some other lesson you noticed in these various roles? I really feel like it's important to make everybody matter and everyone can come to the table with a with new ideas. Um, I feel like a lot of schools are dropping the ball with their PE teachers because we can handle the largest group of kids. We have that logistics part of our body that seems to be able to handle just about anything that's thrown at us. And we can pivot on a dime, still be able to teach what we're teaching, but maybe have to teach it in a hallway. Maybe I have to teach it in a room made for 30 and I have 60 kids. And so the 
you need to lean on the people that are experts in their fields. And I feel like, you know, we have that and a lot of people are missing the boat on that. Mm. So true. As you are either in social media chats or just in your work as an educator, are you noticing that there's characteristics of some really amazing, great educators? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I can, I can sense it. I had, you know, on Clubhouse, I can sense the growth of people that first started coming into the rooms Mm. that I was involved in till what we're doing now, you know, and them stepping out of the box, becoming authors like myself, you know, becoming professional speakers and realizing that their voice matters too. Mm. Gosh, that's so cool to be part of someone else's story and you're creating the space. I mean, Clubhouse was there, but you're the one creating the rooms, returning at a consistent day and time to meet with everybody. So um, props to you for fulfilling that growth for them. That's amazing. As folks are listening, I want you to just kind of pour into them. We've got a variety of folks. We've got new teachers listening, some that are transitioning roles like you've done numerous times, some in distress. They might be like, I am out. I am, I'm burned out. Um, and then we've got teacher leaders who are leading in any sort of capacity. So if you had to pick one of those types of teachers, who would you pick and what would you say to them? Um, for the new teachers, I would say ask questions. Don't be afraid to not really rock the boat, but ask questions. There's certain things that are done at certain schools a certain way. And some of it is old school. Some of it is the fact that it just works with the clientele that you have. Um, It's site-based management without a doubt. But if you kind of just settle in and, and watch for the first year, that's okay to a point. But we want you to dive in. We want you to make sure that you're comfortable with what you're doing. Because if you're not, and we ask you questions and you say, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, everything's fine. When everything's not fine, there's a ripple effect that goes beyond your particular classroom or your particular group of, you know, educators. And it could affect things on on a bigger scale. You, You want it to be a positive impact for the kids. You know, your, your apprehension or, or fears of getting into education is normal, but you want to be in a place that you feel comfortable. And if you're not comfortable, what can we do to make you comfortable? Mm. And as you're doting out advice to other folks, who do you go to when you need advice? Is there someone in your same position or just someone that you admire? Yeah, I mean, I lean on a lot of uh, my administrators. I lean on a lot of former teachers. Um, I'm still in close contact with a, a guy that taught for 40 years at my school. Mm. He subs for me, and um, I'll lean on him for a lot of things. In fact, I, I kind of go on Clubhouse sometimes. Whenever we kind of hit a, a brick wall or maybe a school shooting happens, and mm. we need to have that uh, that caring and compassionate room where people kind of get it. Um, And I think that's really important that we can have a a tribe of people that can come in and say, you know what, this really bums me out today. What can, what can we do? You know, what do you think we should do? Or just someone to listen. I think that's the most important thing. Um, I'm very lucky to have a great co-teacher that I've worked with for the last 11 or 12 years that she's been there for me and I've been there for her. And it's um, made a huge difference. Hey, y'all popping in here real quick to remind you, if you are loving the podcast, Hop on over to iTunes to leave a star rating and type in a few words for the review. This helps other educators find the show so they too can be empowered. Lots of love and thanks. Now back to the show. I'm noticing in a lot of your responses, you mentioned the whole person. You seem very passionate about working with people, educators second, people first, and ensuring that they are 
healthy in their mind, you know, in their body. And then you can dive into the, the educational jargon and strategy and stuff. But it sounds like you really are wanting to make sure everyone is okay and feeling great. Yeah. And, and I feel like, you know, we're all educators first, and then we have our specialty areas, but most importantly, we're people. Mm-hmm. And over the last, you know, coming out of the pandemic, not many people put teachers first on their their platforms. Not many people thought that, you know, we're just resilient. We can teach online. We can teach hybrid. We can teach face-to-face. We can figure it out on the fly, which is true, but they don't realize that some of these teachers lost loved ones. Some of these teachers are going through grief. Some of these teachers are not sure if they felt even comfortable coming back into school. And for me, bringing back a possible COVID related illness to my family at home. Mm. Um, you know, w- once we put teachers first in the schools, and this is like sort of a platform that I've kind of adopted, you know, the, the schools are going to adapt. You put your, you know, I was always taught by my first principal uh, that I worked for to treat people like gold. You treated your maintenance staff like gold and your janitors and mm-hmm. your computer people, your front office staff. You go out of the way to make sure that they're put on a platform to know that they're cared for, they're loved and they're appreciated, and they'll do anything for you. And I feel like you can take that same idea or mindset into the schools. I feel like they was given a lot of grace for kids, a lot of grace for the communities and things like that. But teachers never got a lot of grace. We're taking the blame for learning loss. We're taking the blame for the kids acting crazy like this and we're not doing enough. There has to be a little bit of give and take. And there's been a lot of taking from us and we're hurt. We need help. Mm hmm. And we need rejuvenation, yeah, re-inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> we, need, we need it all. Um, and I hope that through the work you're doing, you're able to provide that or at least allow someone to feel like they can have a mental and emotional break or feel heard or feel valued or feel understood so that they can get up and do it again. So as I'm thinking about all that's changed in education, not just from COVID and not just from different strategies changing, but how do you keep current on, on what is best practice and what you should be doing, especially if you're trying to integrate different subject areas into the work you're doing? Uh, I think professional development is, is important. I think going to conferences are important. I think also having critical conversations with other people that are in your school district or your county or things like that to see what works and what doesn't work. And bouncing on ideas off of them, I'm a firm believer of beg, borrow, and steal. Um, I, I know that some of the games and activities and, and lessons that I've taught over the last 20-something years, they're all over the world. In fact, this past week, we did a shootout activity, a basketball game. And I said, you know, this is the 25th year or 26th year I've actually been teaching this game. I did it at summer camps. <laughs> and this game is played in China. It's played in Turkey. It's played in Greece from the people that I taught and they got older and they turned around and spread it all around the world. Oh, and cool. You know, and it's just something simple. It's, it was a, a silly game, but it was something that I want that the students now to realize that, you know, we just don't kind of come up with stuff on the fly. There's a lot of planning. There's a lot of work together, a lot of prep and a lot of teardown it takes to make things work. But I think that, you know, being active on social media is, is important now. you got to reach people where they are. And you have to promote yourself. No one toots your own horn. And I've that's really <laughs> realized that over the last couple of years that I have to toot my own horn. Yeah. And that's the only way that I'm going to grow professionally and personally. You've been on this journey of your voice. 
of, of finding out who you are and who, what part of you, you want to share, what great ideas you have and who you can help someone with those ideas. It's cool to kind of hear as you're describing the different roles you've had and how you've been growing in that, and that social media kind of really helped you push through those barriers. Do you think that this is kind of the way you model and that you educate is through what you're going through the transition and transformation you're having yourself now? Um, I, I feel like in the last couple of years, I've, I've developed a growth mindset. Uh, I might not be a best-selling author yet, yet I'm on my that's way. Right. <laughs> you, know, you know, I'm on my way, um, you know, and my book has sold maybe about three to 400 copies. And according to Amazon, it's best-selling. I know there's a, thousands of people that are, have, you know, millions of copies or whatever other books. It's given me the courage to write another book. It's given me the courage to, you know, speak upon this, but it's... I think just modeling the fact that we are so much more than who we think we are. We have that growth potential. Every failure that I've had in my life, I'm starting to see that they're stepping stones. Mm. There's a, there, if it's, the door doesn't open, it's not my door. Mm. And I have to keep waiting until that door opens. I've been trying to get an administration for 10 years now. I'm going to continue to try. I'm going to continue to grind. I'm going to continue to do what I have to do to make a difference. And tell us where we can find this book. What's it called? What's the inspiration? Give us all the details. So I wrote a book called The Boy Who Lost His Ears, a kind of a true story. You can find it on Amazon. It's loosely based on my nephew, Nick. He and my brother-in-law lived with us for um, three or four years. And I always remembered my brother-in-law, Stan, always saying, Nick, if you don't start listening, and he was younger than probably four or five years old, that you're going to lose your ears, they're just going to fall off. And then what happens? <laughs> and it was the way to kind of get him to listen and to understand. And I kind of took the idea. And I always told him I was going to write a book. And I was always like, this would be great. I think this would be a fantastic idea. And I ended up over the pandemic and a little bit after that, just saying, screw it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to write a book. And so I framed it out. And it takes a Nick on a journey of where he was self-absorbed as a fifth grader with his cell phone, his, you know, his video games and things like that. And he missed out on so many things because he was all about him it, mm -hmm. and it was all about what happened to him. And um, then one night he woke up, I mean, he went to bed and he woke up, he didn't have any ears and he had to learn how to listen without him. And, mm. you know, and he had to develop those listening skills over a period of time where, you know, playing baseball or playing kickball and things like that, or even going and having a conversation, you know, he had to rely on other people, but he also had to rely on being original with his thought, mm. you know, using a pen and paper. Um, and another version or another twist of this is written to the eyes of a single dad. A lot of books you might see, you know, the, the kid lives with a single mom, but, you know, my my brother-in-law, Stan, he's done a really good job of raising him by himself. Mm. And um, you don't see that that often. You don't see men are not allowed to show emotion or show right. that, you know, that caring or giving or nurturing environment. And you see it in the book because of simple things, you know, like him just sitting in the truck with his dad, instead of having the music blaring and him putting his ear pods in, he actually just sits with his dad rides in the truck and feels the breeze on their face. Mm -hmm. It's silly stuff. But, and at the end, you know, he, I don't know if he does or he doesn't get his ears back, but he actually learns that you takes listening skills are important because the world's constantly trying to tell you something. And without them, you're going to just sit in silence. This sounds so amazing. I, I need this book. So you said it's on Amazon? Yeah, it's on Amazon. What's the ideal age to read? 
probably third, fourth, fifth graders. Um, I had the opportunity. I was assistant principal at a summer school when I was writing it, and I used them as my focus groups. Mm. So I would I would read a chapter, and then the next day I'd come in and read another chapter. It's been a I had a, a special education class that I read to at my school that I teach at, and they ended up turning into you know meet the author time, and they actually wanted to write their own books and be published on Amazon. <laughs> so cool. I've kind of I've kind of focused that, and you know I've, I've done a couple pop-ups where I meet with different elementary school classes on Zoom and, you know, and say, hey, how are you doing? And to meet the author time. Um, so, and I've just wanted to share it with people more than anything else. When I was in the classroom, I loved reading a book and then at the end meeting the author, you know, because the kids are like, wait, that's a real person that wrote that? Oh my gosh, how do you think of the ideas? And what did it take to write that book? And, you know, they, it just becomes a real moment for them. So I hope anyone listening, not only do I encourage you to grab the book, but set up a meeting with Ryan. He's willing to uh, meet your class, talk to your kids and make them see what great things reading and writing can do for them. Oh, without a doubt. And, you know, the, the biggest pleasure I get is when I sneak into the library and my students are like looking for books and I'm like, did you have you thought about that one? And they're like, why? And they're like, just look at it. And and then I said, now flip it over. And they're like, you wrote this? And, you know, <laughs> you're just a gym teacher. And I said, no, you're wrong. You know, like I'm, I'm more and you can be more too. Mm, you know, breaking that word just is huge for me. Um, so I, I encourage others to write and to and, and and be a part of that. I had to learn how to navigate their Amazon by myself, and that was fine. It did a lot of research, but I'd be glad to help other people mm, um, yeah. get, get set up on that because it's something that when you get that book in your hand and you realize that you created this, you put the pen to paper and got it into a book form and other people are going to enjoy it, it makes all the difference in the world. I think your next book is something like what you said, you know, I'm just a gym teacher or something. And it talks all about how we have different facets of our personality. We are not just one thing. We are not defined by just one thing. I think that'd be good. Now you got to go do that. There you go. (laughs) I'm giving you a longer to-do list. I apologize. No, not a problem. Well, Ryan, I want to be respectful of your time. So before I let you go, I just want to ask you one more thing. And that's how do you reignite that passion and that potential you have as an educator? I feel like I, I take the time to read about what's going on currently in education, some of the problems and I'm a solution-based guy. I don't want to come to the school with a problem. I want to come with, I want to be part of that solution. So if we're dealing with low test scores or low attendance issues, or if we're dealing with problems, not getting our kids motivated to learn, what can I do to help? You know, and I rack my brain. I'm a very, um, I sit on the balcony and look down and see how the puzzle pieces fit together. Hmm. But, But for me, that's what gives me hope that, you know, there the problems that we had last year with all the TikTok challenges and stuff like that are, are slowly going down downhill because we're taking the time to develop those relationships again. I want to be the right person at the right spot at the right time. Like I've been in the past for a lot of kids. I want to do that now. And it doesn't matter in what capacity. I want them to see 10, 15 years down the road go. I remember Mr. Pelkey and what he did, and I'm grateful for it. Mm, God, that's so good. You have such a great vision for who you are and what you want to become. And your reason is so much bigger than just for you and for your family. It's for all these kids lives you touch and it's just amazing. So remind us, where do we connect with you? I know you're big on clubhouse. What's your handle there? Um, It's the uh, at, at MR 
uh, underscore Pelkey, P-E-L-K-E-Y. And it's the same on Instagram and the same on Twitter. Great. And so if someone wants to email you um, to set up a class meeting or something, what would that be? P-E-L-K-E-Y-R-D at P-W-C-S dot E-D-U. I check it more than I do my personal one. It's my <laughs> Okay, email. good. We'll put all these details, the link to the book, all the stuff in the show notes. So everyone will be able to go and grab it. Well, thank you again for taking time to share your story and all that you're about to do coming soon. I hope to have you back on and you can tell us about the next book you're writing and how you're making waves in education. But I really do appreciate you sharing your story and inspiring us today. Thank you so much. I was glad to be here. All right, y'all. What did you think of Ryan? I hope you are feeling excited for what's to come and following him on all the different social channels. Make sure you go to alwayslesson.com, click on podcast, find this episode, and all the links will be right there for you. He's definitely someone you want to keep on your radar. And you might, if you've been following him so far, noticed a special surprise that happened in November. You'll have to check in to find out just what that was for him. But I am so excited for him. So thankful to have crossed paths with him and you should be too. So Ryan, if you're listening, thanks for coming on and sharing your story and inspiring us and showing us the way. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Ryan Pelkey. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. <laughs>